What's up, citizens of Apologia? This is King Ginger, and I just wanted to take a moment to encourage you all to sign up for Apologia All Access. When you sign up for Apologia All Access, you're going to get exclusive on-demand content. This means that you and your entire family are going to get to watch every single TV show, every single after show, and every single Apologia Academy with new content dropping every single week. But most importantly, your contribution helps Apologia Studios create quality, Christ-centered entertainment that reaches millions of people on our YouTube channels and through our podcast with the gospel. So what are you waiting for? Change everything at ApologiaRadio.com. Non-rockabotus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. (laughs) She hung up on me. What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got got a bit of a jiggle neck. (laughs) That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, We cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when they're not. Take an amazing journey to a place that will blow your mind and move your heart so you will never be the same again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Gospel Heard Around the World. I'm Jeff the Ninja. ApologiaRadio.com is where you get us. Sitting next to me is a beautiful man named Austin. Thank Cold you kindly. Stone Austin. What's up, sir? Welcome to the, to the show, Austin. How are things, man? Oh, man. Can't complain. Yeah? Things are going well. Didn't you just pass your math and... You're getting you're getting your degree officially, yeah. yeah. After not having done math in seven years, yeah, yeah. Somehow, right by on. The grace of God. Well, it's congratulations done. to Austin, who's getting his degree from Moody, correct? Yes, sir. And uh, that degree is in what, sir? Free counseling and Bible. Right on. High yeah. five, sir. High five. All right, man. So you are um, your blessing. Austin started off at Apologia. He came here um, as an intern. Oh, that's good. That's good. Is that like what that. he was? He came here as an intern, kind of slave labor. Yep. And then you you fell in love with us. I think slave was actually in consideration for the nickname. And Dude, I'm wearing my doula shirt today. You are. Yeah. Yep. Slave of Jesus. Yep. Which can be found at missionaware.com. That's right. Nice plug. And uh, so, hey, here's the thing. We never actually talked about this. By the way, that's Luke the Bear. Hi. Randy. Steady Randy. Yes, sir. Beautiful Marcus day. Pittman, King Ginger on the ones and twos. What's up? All right. And uh, what? so you came to Apologia Church to be an intern, uh, and we didn't know what to expect. Because you never know. Someone's like, right. you know, I want to be an intern. You're like, I don't know if this is going to work out. Like, I don't know. We met on the internet. Yeah, we met on them internets <laughs> on eHarmony. He started stalking me. <laughs> yeah. There's like an eHarmony for church interns. Like, Yes. Yeah. He, so, did. he started stalking me. He kept messaging me and was like, hey. 
Can I come to Austin, I think I messaged you once. I have a lot of messages from you. Austin's <laughs> you like, do now. <laughs> this is my eHarmony video. So I like long walks in the park and Bible reading. And ministry. Said, said, I'm and a, ministry. I'm a, I'm a Bible college student by day and wild man by night. <laughs> Did he say that? <laughs> that was in that way. Oh, yeah, that's right. Wild <laughs> man by wild, night. Wild man. Wild man. Okay, so here we go. We're going to eventually get to the end of this conversation. Uh, so you decided to stay... But we haven't really talked about why. Why you say? Why did you? Why did you say like? All right, I'm gonna stay at Apologia Church. That's you moved question. away from home. Oh man! Now you live in Arizona. It's because of me. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not true. Because of me. I mean, Marcus is like, you know, because you guys are the ginger twins. Right. The, we got the ginger <laughs> ginger pad. Um, you guys share a bunk bed. No, I sleep on the floor. Top ginger. That's and some commitment. Ginger. I'm gonna move to yeah. Arizona and I'm gonna sleep on the floor. <laughs> on Marcus's floor, no doubt. On <laughs> Marcus's floor. I don't That's know the different. last time that floor has been vacuumed. Or if. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. It's, actually, there might be something in your beard. Gabe, have, have, have you vacuumed the floor? Oh, I didn't hear what he said. I don't know what he said. What did you say? You plead the fifth, so that means no. Yeah. Austin, have you vacuumed the floor? I just laid down like a blanket. Marcus, have you vacuumed the floor? Oh, uh, we don't have a vacuum. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. He moved in last year. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We vacuumed. Okay. The vacuum is Austin's beard. Okay. Marcus just grabs the back of his legs and wheelbarrows him through yeah. the house. He's sucking it. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to pay rent this month if you let me do this. <laughs> we thought he was vaping. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, why why are you staying? Um, I love Apology. I mean, I love what you guys are doing, and uh, I'm happy to be a part of it. So it's just been it's been a blessing to me, and the community out here has really really blessed me. Um, so I decided I'd rather stay here than go back to the Bible Belt. Praise the Lord. Yeah. All right, Luke, how you doing, man? Good. Yeah. Busy last week. <laughs> a bit. That's a that's a bit of an understatement. So uh, check it out, guys. Uh, before we get into the show, Luke's gonna do some Bible trivia with us, right? I am. Okay, we're gonna do some Bible trivia in just a second here. We got a show today. We are actually gonna review uh, some of Dr. White's recent debate on uh, Calvinism. Uh, we're gonna talk about that. It was really interesting. It was with a Calvary Chapel pastor, and uh, the wheels kind of fell off in that debate. Uh, Dr. White said that. Uh, his opponent had violated more debate rules than any opponent in the history of all of his debates, which is a lot of debates. We're also going to review a clip from Who Controls Salvation, uh, White and Bryson, to stay along with the Reformed theology. Uh, and then we're going to look at Douglas Wilson uh, pressing Christopher Hitchin on, Hitchens on morality. If we get to it, we're going to talk about George Smith debating Dr. Greg Bonson on the radio. Fantastic debate. And I was going to say something else before that. I don't even know what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, that's right. Here we go. Uh, so... We have, if you haven't heard yet, we have a lot of new stuff coming up on Apologia All Access, particularly in the Academy portion. Thank God for Marcus Pittman and, of course, Carmen for putting up the lectures from the breakout sessions at ReformCon. Those are really, really great. So if you haven't got a chance to see that yet, I encourage you to do so. Go look at Dr. White's lecture he had. Go look at Dr. Uh, K. Scott Oliphant. Uh, you had we, Darren, Darren Jones stuff is great. 
Yeah. His is not up yet, Oliphant, because we need the PowerPoint. Okay. Well, it's coming though. Yes. All right. So those are those will be up. But then there's there's more. Uh, we were gonna wait to release some content until the change of website, where the website's gonna just get it's just getting revamped. It's really beautiful. It's amazing, easy to access and maneuver and do all kinds of great stuff. Uh, we were gonna wait to put the NSA lectures up until that came up, but it's gonna take a little longer than we thought. So we're gonna go ahead and be putting up the NSA lectures, New St. Andrews lectures, because uh, they're just awesome and they're gonna bless you guys so those are gonna be very very soon and so if you have not signed up for all access yet encourage you to do so because there are some fantastic things up there already and a lot more coming plus the tv shows and radio shows and we just finished a television show with ray comfort and an after show we wasn't got that amazing it was amazing ray comfort it was, it was a really amazing comfortable show and, <laughs> <laughs> and oh here's gosh. the thing we got in the after show some conversation and some details about Ray Comfort's interaction with Lawrence Krauss and Penn Jillette. That no, that's was, in a TV show. That's up now. Well, I thought he talked a little bit, a little bit more in the after oh, show. Okay. He really, yeah, it's in the TV show as well, but it's it's the after show where he goes into some detail. That It's just so cool, uh, the things that happened with him. And it'll really encourage you. So if you're all access, you're going to get to see all that. If you're not all access, I encourage you guys to do so. And let me just say, of course... Another thank you to all of our All Access partners. If you guys have been with us for a long time or you just started, uh, your participation is very, very meaningful. It helps us to do this very show that you're listening to right now that goes out to everybody, plus all the content we put up on our YouTube channel that is blessing people worldwide, helping people to get equipped for evangelism to the Mormons, to Jehovah's Witnesses, to atheists. Or just talking about video games. And, yeah, or the new one just went up. <laughs> the post-bit series we've been waiting for for a long time is, is starting to get underway, and so that one is up there right now. No Man's Sky is reviewed. And let me just no Man's Sky. talk Crazy about, game. just for a moment, I want to say something. I hope you guys can all like um, maybe think about we want the vision for Apologia Studios goes goes way back, and my 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 desire was to do stuff to the glory of God. Luke, we wanted to do stuff to the glory of God that would bless the whole world in the area of uh, theology. But we wanted to, we we believe Jesus is Lord over every realm, and we have a desire to see that television, uh, movies, film uh, that we do something in that area that glorifies Jesus Christ makes much of Jesus. And so Apologia Studios, we're going to be launching some stuff very, very soon. You're going to see go up on that channel. You're going to see one day something go up that's a, a talk on how to witness to Mormons. And then the next day, a sermon on uh, how to behave on social media to the glory of Jesus. And then maybe the next day you're going to see a weekly television series um, that I'm not going to announce yet. That's going to be just like, like a, a scripted show, like a scripted show. That's going to be very fun. And it'll have a day that it drops every week. Like you're watching a weekly television show. You're going to get to watch that. And then the next day you're going to have a video game review from a biblical worldview. And then you're going to have a movie review from a biblical worldview. You're going to have all kinds of really cool stuff. And so everything you guys do with all access, you participate in that with us to make it all possible. And so we have recently got a lot of new um, partners uh, in ministry for All Access, and we want to welcome you all and tell you s- thank you so much. And I want to say to everyone who's been with us since the very beginning, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Everything that goes up right now is because of your help, so we're grateful. All right, Pastor Luke, let's do some Bible trivia. These things kind of okay. these things kind of scare me because you so, never you never you never know what's coming, right? So, so okay, so I think this is how I'm gonna do it. There's I can do it for ten questions. 
So I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have Jeff do it and Austin do it. The winner gets a high five. The loser gets a kick in the pants. Kick in the pants. This is not fair. Now I tested it this morning. Well, it scares me because we do these Bible trivia things. Like, just want to say when I went to um, do that week long thing where I was, my wife and I were brutalized. Yeah. For like, I was being examined by pastors. Like, yeah, I wasn't sweating right now. Twenty pastors. Yeah, right. They were like, you know, for like, it was like seven a.m. to ten p.m. Yeah. They brutalize you. They basically see how you are counseling and preaching, and then they do this. They get into your heads and like they mess with you. And then they do these these Bible things like this. And normally it wouldn't bother me, but when I'm under the gun like this, kind of terrifying. Okay, so I I tested it this morning. It's some of them are super easy. Some of them are a little tricky. He's tr- Jeff's trying to cheat over here. I got seven out of ten just doing it real quick, so it's not. Some of them are really easy. Like one of them was like, I don't remember. So I gotta ask Austin: are, are, Is Austin more worried because of Jeff being a pastor and being trained in this, or are you more worried that he's going to be the one kicking you? No, I get to kick him. Oh, oh okay. Luke. Okay, kick I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Less concerned now. <laughs> you're you're a Bible college student. You should be kicking the pants. Okay, we'll start with Jeff, so you can see. Okay, here we go. First question. Which disciple replied, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father when Jesus said to him, follow me? Peter, James, John, or we are not told who it was. We are not told who it was. That is correct, sir. Fuck it. Who appeared with Christ in the vision? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Am I doing all these? Yeah. Or are we doing back and forth? No, no, we're going to do 10 oh, quick. Okay, okay. They're quick. Who appeared with Christ in the vision on the Mount of Transfiguration? Elisha and Elias, Moses and Elisha, Elijah and Moses, Noah and Abraham. Elijah and Moses. Well, I, I, Marcus Pittman. Is your name Jeff? <laughs> oh, I didn't know they were just for Jeff. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. My goodness. That was my answer, by the way. Okay. That, was, that was too easy, that though, right? Yeah, that, one, that one was... According to 1 Peter 3, 4, what... Because he represented the law and the prophets. They, they represented the law and the prophets. Next <laughs> Jesus in here. What is of great price <laughs> in the sight of God? A meek and quiet spirit, humility, love for the world, sacrifice. 1 Peter what? 3, 4. I'll say it again. What is a great price in the sight of God? A meek and quiet spirit, humility, love for the world, or sacrifice? Me, meek and quiet. Nice. Okay. Uh, next question. What power? Wait, where's the music? It helps. Okay. <laughs> here, I got some good music for it. We'll get that going right here. I need the game show music. <laughs> oh, you to need the that. Bible questions. <laughs> you need so that. I study huh? in okay. the mornings. Yeah, that's what I do when I'm reading. You know, this one's good. Oh, why is it going again? Okay, no, well, it's, it's this, fine. It's okay, fine. we'll just let it go. I had played something else, and it just keeps going. Anyways, what power does Jesus have after his resurrection? Power to resurrect other people? Power to rule the world? All power in heaven and earth? Or D, all of the above? All of the above. That is correct. Faith without works is... I'm not even going to read the answers. What are the answers? For... Are you listening? <laughs> no, like what? Well, like what other options would they yeah, include? What, like, oh, I, don't know. I, I already skipped it. Faith, uh, faith <laughs> that works is good. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Like what? <laughs> For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, is guilty of all of it. Okay. Yep. Sorry, I should have read the other ones. <laughs> I always reserving some really was tough ones. Was there ever a time when Satan was in harmony with God? Yes. <laughs> the other answers are. No, he was evil from the beginning. No, he was created and perfect and evil to test us. Or no, he was always the adversary of God. But yes, is the correct answer. Always the adversary. Okay, who was the first priest <laughs> of the Most High God? Melchizedek. Melchizedek. 
<laughs> the other answer, uh, options are Aaron, Moses, or Solomon. Okay, I told you some of these aren't that hard. According to James 4.4, whoever is friend with the world... Enemy of God. Is enmity. <laughs> or will be judged accordingly, is in Satan's hands, is accepted if he has faith. But you got the correct answer. Okay, last one. What similarities are in the days of the return of our Lord and the days of Noah? Ooh, is this... This might be a, a, a bad eschatology question. Ah, uh, yeah, wait a second. That's not fair. What if, it, what if it's Here are the all? answers. <laughs> Jesus will be present as Noah was present in his day. People were indifferent and didn't care. The evil will stop as it did in the time of Noah or all of the above. Wait, say it again? What similarities are in the days of the return of our Lord and the days of Noah? Okay. Jesus will be present as Noah was present in his day. People were indifferent and didn't care. The evil will stop as it did in the time of Noah or all of the above. Uh, B. The evil, they, they won't care. Yeah, okay. Oh, that is incorrect. No. It was all of the above. No. Jesus, they gave me Bible references. Jesus will be present with, like, as Noah was? That's what they're saying. What does that mean? Does that mean, see, in that, that, that is know. an eschatology problem, because if you believe that that is the second coming of Christ, then, then right. yeah, so. Okay. Well, Present in the sense of him ruling in his kingdom, sure. I don't know. They but gave if that means the Bible second, references. if they mean the second coming, do you no. Want, do you want to go to the references and see? Uh, let me see that first one. The, the what are they referring to? And uh, let's see here. Jesus will be present. And uh, do you just click on it? <laughs> they're, they're, they're proof texting. The evil will stop as it did in the time of Noah. No, nothing says evil is going to stop in the world. No, yeah, see that, yeah that's bad eschatology. That's what I said. So, eschatology <laughs> okay. matters. We'll say we'll say you got ten on ten. Yeah. It even affects your trivia question. Right. Even Bible trivia is affected by yes, bad eschatology. That's right. Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, awesome. Wait. Austin needs some music though. Awesome. Here we go. It's oh, just wait, all wait, these wait, theme songs. Oh, the magic game. Why'd you give him that music? It just came up next. That's just gonna help him. Oh, it's Do you even know what this is? No, but it sounds great. A twenty-five thousand dollar pyramid. Never watched it. Okay, Austin. Here, I'll go to the match game. Because that's what Marcus said. Okay, first question. That was the match game. No, actually, it was $25,000 pyramid. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's loading. The song's loading. Okay, according to the book of James 1.15. Here we go. What happens when lust hath conceived? It leads into temptation. It brings forth sin. It brings death. It departs us from God. It brings death. No. Dang it. Bringeth forth sin. Bring it You're forth. already getting a king Dang. of pants. Oh, Which gosh. brings forth death. Yeah. Wait, I, I think I get one because Jeff's was technically well, wrong we'll, on the tenth. We'll, we'll give you one. <laughs> okay, who was known as a rod out of the stem of Jesse? King Hezekiah, Jesse himself, Jesus Christ, or King Uzziah? You got all the hard ones? Right off the I knew this is going to happen. <laughs> right off the bat. Come on, come on. Give him again. God out of the stem of Jesse. He's got the Bible degree, though. As a guy, Jesus. Jesse. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. I was like, wait a minute. When asked Bible questions, Jesus, Jesus is the is answer. answer. <laughs> How many spies were in Rahab's house? Oh, gosh. 10, 12, 2, 4. Man, you got all the stuff. Was it four? I don't even know if I know this. We'll say two four. or four with some low. It was two. Sorry. Way to go, Austin. Oh, gosh. What was the name of the apostle that was chosen by God to replace Judas? Matthias, Barsabbas, Paul, or Mark? Matthias. There you go. Yeah! Yeah! See? Between him and Barsabbas, oh, right? No, they said it was Paul. 
Well, see, I actually believe... I believe that the apostles jumped the gun there when they cast lots to try to figure out who would take Judas' uh-huh. spot. Okay. I think God... I think God had planned, obviously, for Paul yeah. to take that position. And I think, obviously, in God's providence, what happened happened, and God blessed it anyways. But I think if they would have waited for God to send his man, I think the Apostle Paul would have rightly filled his we'll spot. We'll give you that one, because we, we all thought it was the same. Yeah, that one was that one was cheap. <laughs> that was just tense On question. what mountain did the ark land? Oh, man. This it's, not in, it's not in Kentucky, either. It's not in Kentucky. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, hang on. Give me the name. I know like, this. Mount Kilimanjaro. Carmel, Ararat, or Sinai. Sinai. Oh, my. No? Oh, Austin. Dude. It's Ararat, Austin, bro. Austin, you're embarrassing me. I got a counseling Have degree. You got Austin, right? You're embarrassing me. According to Romans 8, 19 through 22, what is the whole groaning? Wait, wait, wait. What, what, what was the answer? Ararat. 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 Everybody in the air at <laughs> Romans eight nineteen to twenty two. What is the whole groaning creation waiting for? Oh, bad eschatology, rapture, manifestation of the sons of God, judgment or heaven? Judgment, heaven, manifestation of the, the sons, sons of God. God. What? I would have got mm-hmm. that wrong too. I thought it was also judgment. Sorry, bro. I don't think this you got any right. This is the worst. Be, I got the first one right. Be ye doers like two right. of the word and, and hearers. not hearers only. You will not right. be deceived not by the only. wicked. You will have many friends. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We're going to go with the first one. Not hearers only. Yeah. That is correct, sir. Oh, praise the Lord. How are we to divide the word of truth? Rightly, in favor of people with partiality, or with, <laughs> with our with, with partiality, partiality. <laughs> with our wisdom. That's uh, a good job, good job, Austin. How many chapters are in the book of Isaiah? Sixty-six, fifty, sixty-eight, or sixty-two? Oh gosh, sixty-six. Yes. <laughs> Did you notice how I emphasized 66? Why did you do that? <laughs> 66? Okay. 66? Last question. Who was the first priest of the... Oh, we already had this one. First priest of the Most High God. Melchizedek. Yeah, okay. Good job. Who's Melchizedek now? Christ. Yeah! That's what I'm talking. Hebrews, y'all. Yeah. We'll get with the bonus. You got six right. Okay. I'll take six. Technically, I'll give you seven. Is there more Bible trivia? We can do more. Let's do a speed round and let's have Randy. Yeah, Randy. Just Randy? I say, I say, I say, no, I, okay, let's do this. Let's do Randy and Marcus, and you have to get through all of the options before they can answer. It's whoever answers first, incorrectly, obviously. So you're going to ask the question and get through get through all four options, Uh and then you guys can answer and see who gets it right. Gets it first. Okay. Uh That was Family Feud song, by the way. What we were just listening to. And see, our, okay. our listeners, let's see if they would get it. Okay, here we sure. go. Who was first represented by the lamb that the Jews used for Passover? The nation of Israel, Jesus, Christians, John the Baptist. Jesus. Repeat the question. <laughs> <laughs> Who was represented by the lamb that the Jews used for Passover? Nation of Israel, Jesus, Christians, John the Baptist. Jesus. Yeah, well, Marcus got Well, I thought one. you said who was first represented. Yeah. It almost sounds like it's asking original, yeah. like what was it? Did yeah. I say first? Uh, maybe. We'll, we'll, oh, Family Feud again. What do you know? Pull the clock. Okay, we'll just keep going. Who was represented by the... Oh, that's the same question. Sorry. Where did three angels visit Abraham, promising him a son? 
Damascus, Garur, Mesopotamia, or the Plains of Murmur? Mesopotamia. Plains. Hmm. I don't know the answer to that. Do you know the answer to that? Hey, well, I, I didn't hear you said mur mur mur. It's like mamry, 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 mamry. Is it mamry? Look at it. How do you say Where? a m a m r e? Oh, okay, yeah, mamry. Yeah. Okay, mamry. I couldn't. Okay, okay. Mamry. Uh, what did you you said? I said D. You said the plains. Well, Marcus right. said Mesopotamia. Um, since Marcus answered first, we'll go with Mesopotamia. And Randy was correct. It was the Plains of Mamre. Oh, I've got, Sorry, Marcus. I've got a bad memory, so it all works Bad out. memory. Okay, next question. From the parable of the sower, what does the seed represent? The believers, the word of the kingdom, the law of Moses, or the Holy Spirit? The seed. What does it represent? Oh, the word. Oh. Who answered that? Was that Marcus? That was Marcus. Marcus. Yeah, that's right. Nice job, Marcus. Yes! Next question, what was the seventh church in Asia? Which pictures the present church? Laodicea. Oh, which pictures the present church? I like how they slipped that in. Yeah, nice. Nailed that it. Gave it they away. have a post-mill version of this game? Yeah. Thyatira, Laodicea, Smyrna, or Pergamos? Laodicea. Yeah. Okay, you yeah. both got it correct. I don't know what song's coming up. Who wants to be a millionaire? Is that what's coming up? Okay, who maybe wants a, to be a millionaire? Maybe a Steve Camp song next. Ooh, this is a good one for this game. According to Esther 8-1, what happened with Haman's house, the enemy of the Jews, after he was killed? It just got really serious all of a sudden. I know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and the lights just went black in the studio. It was like, yeah, it was crazy. All these people appeared. <laughs> Carmen's running around with a flashlight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, what happened to this house? Haman's house was burned, was sold, was given to Esther, or nothing happened. No lifelines on this, people. No lifelines. I'd like to call a friend. Nope. Can't. I'm gonna go with D. Nothing? I have no idea. Okay, we'll see. It was given to Esther. Aww. Uh. Sorry. Okay, next question. According to 1 mm. John 4.14, who is the savior of the world? Jesus. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, Trinity. Uh, Jesus. Jesus. Well, wait, <laughs> wait. Is, is this the? Can you say the trend? Like the Trinity's the same. Well, I mean, are they? Is that a modalist question? Okay. <laughs> is that a is that, is that a modalist you, question? That I was waiting for. It's Jesus, but not the Trinity. We'll it's say Jesus. Trinity, but not Jesus. It was Jesus, uh. correct. <laughs> Next question. How many chapters are in Revelation? Shun. N. Nuts. Oh, sorry. I thought you guys were just going to say it. 21, 22, 20, or 24? 22. That is correct, sir. Yes. From the parable of the net, who separated the good fish from the bad ones? The fishermen, the Lord, the angels, or the apostles? The Lord. Oh. It's the fishermen. That is incorrect. See, some oh. of these are a little bit tougher. Next question. James encourages us to be patient like whom? Noah, Job, Jesus, Israel. This music is perfect for this game. Oh, yeah. What wow. was the, what was the question? Job. The question is James encourages us to be patient like whom? And Randy said Job. Israel was not patient. So. I'm going to say Job. It was Job. Correct, Randy. Are you keeping score? No. 
Okay. Uh, next question. <laughs> this is team effort now. <laughs> this is the last question. Last question. How many songs did Solomon write? I have no idea what the answer is. 3,000, 2,000, 1,005, or 1,500? Oh, I, I have no idea. I'll let you phone a friend. I'll say 1,005. Okay, we'll go with 1,005. That's correct, sir! <laughs> Randy gets the hardest one of them all. Nobody knew that one. That's it. That's the last one. Right on! All right, guys. Thank nice you for the Bible trivia. 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 Thanks for that trivia. <laughs> hey, thank you for that trivia. Great That's trivia. fun. That was good. I liked it. We should do it every week. All right. Uh, no prizes given out today, uh, but that was a lot of fun. All right, guys. So we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back, and uh, we are going to start our discussion on Reformed theology. We're going to touch a little bit of the recent discussion, not really a debate, between James White and a Calvary Chapel, Calvary Bible Chapel. There you go. Calvary Bible Chapel, right? Isn't it? No, it's just Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel. Calvary, yeah, I should Calvary know this. I, went there for, I only went there for like three years, so... Um, so, uh, yeah, so I'll be right back, guys. I think you guys are blessed by it. It's encouraging to see the Word of God come with power like this. So, we will be right back. ApologiaRadio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, beauties and beasts, I have some good news for you. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall protect your manlyhood an epic combination of manliness and manhood if you're hearing this today there is hope for your beard go to youcosbeard.com and enter the code apologia and you can save some money while you save your face hey i like that song are flickering in your office again, Marcus. <laughs> uh, what is that spelling? Let me see if I can find this. What does that spell? Um, I didn't even know Luke was going to do that. So, uh, that music, there is a, a clip up. And what, sorry, the name of the show again. Stranger um, Things. Okay, Stranger Things. Um, there's an amazing clip. I'm trying to find this right now because they captured... Um, the essence of the 80s film with yeah. ju- even the visuals and just that music, the synthesizer. Um, and there is a clip up. Let me see if I can find it right now about how they did that and how they invested in oh, that. Really? How they made it. Uh, let's see here. How, the soundtrack's available, by the way. Yeah, which let's is see. Pretty here. awesome. Uh, how it was made. Let me just try to pull this up. Awesome. How it's made. Let's see here. Uh, I'm just going to, I know we're on the air right now, so you're going to take on me to title sequence. Yeah, this is it right here. I'm going to play this for you guys. It's really fascinating, actually, just to show the kind of work that goes into, like, the opening sequence and graphics for a really, a show like this, and then the music. So here we go. This is, uh, I just found this really compelling. I hope it, I hope it works for the radio show. Horror mystery show Stranger Things has been praised for its pitch-perfect homage to the 1980s, and that includes its great 
opening credit sequence. It plays for almost a full minute before every episode, but it looks so good, I never skipped over it. Watching it made me wonder, what does it take to make something like this? So I called up Michelle Darty. She's a creative director at Imaginary Forces, the studio that made the title sequence. You want it to feel original. You want it to feel like that title sequence couldn't work in front of another show. You may not have heard of Imaginary Forces, but you've probably seen their work. They're responsible for the opening credits to Mad Men, Boardwalk Empire, Chuck, The Pacific, Jessica Jones, Late Night with Seth Meyers. I could go on. It's a long list. When they first got on the phone with Stranger Things showrunners Matt and Ross Duffer, they knew they wanted to go for a style similar to what the studio R. Greenberg Associates did in the 70s and 80s with Alien, The Dead Zone, and Altered States. The Duffers had sent us these. It's crazy because in the visuals here, when it pulls up all the, the intros to those old shows like Dead Zone and everything... Then you go, oh, that's why that felt so... Mm. That's why that felt exactly like it. By the way, is that channel, that YouTube channel, Vox? Yes. I love that channel. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's crazy because I couldn't... I I did the same thing. Every time the show came on Stranger Things, I let that intro sequence play through because it really just brings you back. And I was like, as soon as I saw this, the visuals, you're like, that's it. They captured it, but it's not quite the same. It's really amazing. Paperback books probably ones that they read as kids, right? And so we looked at the typography on those and, you know, they, they range, right? But they're all kind of in the same vein of popular typefaces of the 80s. She sent me the early drafts of the title sequence and you can clearly see the influence of those book covers. The Duffer Brothers picked this one, which eventually became this. Sorry. <laughs> Let's talk about the typeface. Yeah, that was incredible. It's called wow. ITC Bengat. And it was made in so 1978 sweet. by a jazz percussionist turned designer named Ed Bengat. Here it is on the Choose Your Own Adventure book series from the 80s and 90s, and on the Smith's 1987 album Strange Ways Here We Come. It's also been the font of Paramount's FBI piracy warning since 1995. I often think of the sequence as really a celebration of that typeface in a way, too, because you really get to see the most beautiful parts of it. In the old days before animation software, title sequences were shot optically, which is just another way of saying that they were made manually, frame by frame, with a projector and a camera. For Stranger Things, the title designers wanted to replicate that gritty look. They wanted to make it look like there were imperfections in the image. So to do that, they rigged up these things. They call them codalists. It's basically an old film format that produces a really high contrast image. And they filmed what it looked like when light shined through those film letters. We referenced some of those inconsistencies, those like what you call mistakes. We wanted it to have this tactile feel and we wanted it to feel organic and of the time period. They then used those physical references to animate the titles digitally. That's why you see subtle flickering and shaking in the text. The end result is an eerie mix of digital and physical mediums. And with this great track from the synth band Survive, it sets the tone for one of the summer's biggest TV hits. Sounds like there's a lot of visual stuff you need to watch. Yeah, no, but here's the thing. The reason I wanted to play that was to show, like, the level of commitment to doing something really, really well. I really appreciated that because right. it did draw out of me. And that's the first thing I said to Randy when I when I actually saw it. I came in and we talked about it. And I was like, it just reminded me of, like, the, my, my childhood, the 80s. Just that one-minute sequence reminded me of being a kid again. And it felt like the old Steven... Spielberg films of the kids in in a conflict and at the same time you know the Stephen King kind of feeling to it of some of his mysteries and it was just really really fantastic and here's what's cool Marcus I'm sure you probably appreciated this 
Um, all the talk about the biggest hit movie of 2016 was actually a Netflix original yeah. TV series. Yeah. So not it, on a cable network. Yeah. So not on a cable network. Not in the theaters. It's an eight-hour-long movie. I think our script is going to have a lot of competition to compete with our show. Yeah. So because <laughs> that's gonna, that's where we're going now. And yeah. I have, I have a buddy who I, I grew up with who's in Hollywood right now and doing a lot of movies and TV shows and things like that. And I was talking to him and he was saying that. The way that film is working now, movies going to the theater, it's so difficult for directors to get their films into theaters, costs and everything else, and what we're actually getting back from the public in terms of participation and funding for films. And uh, so, like, for example, uh, one of the last Steven Spielberg, this is Steven Spielberg, for goodness sakes. One of his last films, Lincoln, he almost didn't get um, to go to the theaters. Almost wasn't able to actually happen. This is Steven Spielberg. Wow. Uh, couldn't uh, couldn't get it like in the theater. It wasn't an easy process for him. Wow. So like where things are going now, a lot of the famous actors, um, professionals working in Hollywood in the film industry are going towards television series rather than movies in the theater. And they're saying that there's going to be a huge shift in the next couple of years in terms of how we actually, uh, as a society really taken media and movies is it going to be going to the theater just to you know plop down eight bucks and just sit in a theater or will it be more of the old experience when you go to the theater where you go in and there's dinner and it's more of like going to a, a play when you go to the theater because really where everything is going is towards television and things like Netflix and Hulu like that's that's the big draw now and that's where a lot of actors are saying that's where I'm going to invest my time because uh, that's where I can get paid consistently and more people are actually going to watch my work that direction and it's not necessarily cable it's mm. it's stuff that you download right. as an app it's like it's like hulu and like for example um the path the new film about the called the, the new series called the path on hulu it's got um aaron paul from breaking oh, yeah, bad okay. it's about a cult yeah and yeah. you know by the way i'm not suggesting you go and watch the path okay just just so you know just like in terms of how it works well he's moving into that direction on something that's only on hulu people have got to sign up to get the hulu app to watch the series to pay the monthly payment to do hulu so people are getting more like uh uh what's the, what's the word i'm looking for right now like uh they have a particular palette like no i'm i'm going cart. I, I'm going for that. I'm going. I don't want to just get cable and let you decide for me what what the basic structure of shows I'm going to get. Yeah. I'm going to decide. I like Hulu original series. They do a good job, and so I'm going to purchase the Hulu app and just watch Hulu. And I don't even have cable, you know, or Netflix original series and things like that. It really is interesting because I remember when Netflix came out. Mm-hmm. Netflix was you order DVDs. Yeah. Right, oh, yeah. right, and oh, yeah. uh, it's like, well, that's interesting, but like, who wants to wait for it to show up? Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, you got to send it back. It's kind of a hard process. And then when they switch to like, no, we'll stream it to you. Like, that's kind of risky. Like, well, who's really going to be into that? Like, and then all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, I'm into that. And now Netflix is huge. How many hours a month, Marcus? Uh, it's a lot. So, <laughs> okay, you know I'm saying, what does it have to do with like a show with theological content and things like that? Okay, you want to know what I'm getting at? Here's what I'm getting at. The way that a society is working today with media is that there are no controlling entities over media mm-hmm. that can dominate and just say, we will, we will do it all for you. We'll mm-hmm. do your thinking for you. We'll do production for you. And you're just going to have to just deal with what we give you. Now we can have a very discerning palette. Mm-hmm. We can say, no, 
uh, I'm not going to let you decide for me. I'm going to pick my own series, my own shows, what my family watches. I'm going to go with the provider that's giving me content that is high quality and maybe consistent with my worldview. Right? Yeah. Instead of having like, you just shove it at me. Sounds a lot like public school. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. yeah. Right? Transformation. And, uh, yeah. And so I think it's a big transformation. And it means, I think, and this goes back to what we did this year. We were able to put together End Abortion Now as an event that we had churches across the nation that gathered together that watched this live stream event that we were able to put on for about 5000 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the ability to stream this into people's homes and churches. People could gather around the television screens and the computer screens to watch this event that we were able to broadcast worldwide live in pretty high quality for only about 5000 bucks. I mean, that doesn't include, of course, the camera equipment, which did not cost 5000 bucks. trust me. Um, but uh, we were able to stream it for about 5000 bucks in cost. So it's pretty cool stuff. One last thing I want to say before we go, because I think we're on this now, so let's talk about it. Have you guys seen... Eleven twenty-two sixty-three. Oh my goodness! No, I don't know what that so even good. means. Right? So good. I saw the, and this is a Hulu. It's on Hulu oh, yeah. right now. And this is what I'm talking about. Here is a show that, look, like, who heard about? Like, it's not like it's just forced in front of you on cable and like, oh, you have to have heard of eleven twenty-two sixty-three. I saw one ad come up for eleven twenty-two three sixty-three, and I thought it was like maybe one or two part. Um, series like it's just got two episodes or whatever and so I am going on Hulu the other day with Candy looking for a new show to watch together before we go to bed and I see it Candy's like well let's watch that I'm like I don't know and so we turn it on I'm, I'm 25 minutes into the show and I'm like this is probably one of the most creative things I've ever Brilliant. seen really it's uh, Steven listen here's who's here here's who's involved in the James, James Franco, Franco is the main the main guy oh well but the people who are in, who uh, put this together um, Steven Spielberg Stephen King and uh, who else? Who else? Um, oh man, it's got a bunch of people. Like, you got me all hooked on Wayward Pines now. Oh man, wait, well, yeah, but but I'm telling you, it, the next thing you gotta watch is 11:22:63. It's um. Oh no, here you go. Stephen King and J.J. Abrams. Oh what? Uh, yeah, Stephen King, J.J. Wow. Abrams. What? And um, uh, is it Steven Spielberg? Why am I thinking Steven? Sp- I think Steven Spielberg was involved in it somehow. But it is right, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the storyline. You think there are so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. This show literally could go on for ages. I'll, t- I'll give you the premise because it's really cool. Um, so they find a time portal in a diner yeah. where if you walk into the closet of this diner, you go back into time to 11-22-1963, a few years before the assassination of John F. Kennedy. No, wow. you, the, they're getting to 11-22-63. Oh, that's right, getting they to, sorry. Like a year before. Yeah, yeah two years before, or I think, maybe. Years. Yeah. So, um, so what he does is if you go through this time portal, this is where it gets interesting, you go through the time portal, and it always brings you back to exactly the same second of, 19, of 1960, I think it is. Same second... Time is running. When he walks through this time portal, there's the same guy that drops a, a, a bottle of, of milk and it breaks, and there's a car passing by, and same workers passing. And he, and whatever you do affects the future. So what he does, the first time is he tests it. He goes back into time, and he walks up to a tree, a very skinny little tree standing next to the diner, and he carves something into the tree. He goes back through time, back to the future, and then he goes outside the diner, and then there in the tree is the carving. So it actually manipulates the future. So now what he has to do is go back into time and try to figure out how to stop the assassination of JFK. But here's the thing. Every decision he makes affects the future, and if he does anything too dramatic, the past tries to stop him. 
and it tries to stop him in these really crazy ways. Uh, and so I, I won't give it all away. All I'm going to tell you is it's it's one of those shows you go, this could literally last right. 25, 30 seasons because every time he goes back, it's a reset. So he could be there in the past for two years and it's only two minutes in the future. So if he goes back, it's only two minutes that's passed. But he could be there in the past for two years and he could totally screw up and then he can go back, come back again and restart the whole process again. It's a wow. fascinating it's mm. it's quintessential Stephen King. Yeah, when That's he went awesome. into that closet, I was like going, this is C.S. Lewis. This is, you know, the children right. going into the wardrobe. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. So there's a pick. you yeah. got to watch it. It's on Hulu. It's it's worth it. It's one of those shows I'm like, yeah, that's good. And I'm trying to think if there's anything inappropriate and you need to fast forward. I think um, <laughs> I have noticed a little bit. I have noticed. Is there? Uh, I think maybe there might be something. How many like major? There wasn't anything like super. No, it wasn't no. dramatic. No. I noticed how many major like movie stars have been doing a lot of these series. Um, I've noticed that recently, like the last six months to a year. Yeah. There seems to be a trend. Going that that's, that's what my buddy told me. He said yeah. that's where everyone's going now, is that direction. All right, here we go. Let's get into some theology now. Okay, so here is a portion of the debate. Uh, I haven't seen any high-quality footage come out of this yet. Just a couple cell phone uh, videos, so we're just going to have to deal with bad bad audio. But um, from what I understand in this debate, uh, it fell... The wheels completely came off. Uh, this pastor, Steve Tassie, uh, from Calvary Chapel, um, just really... And I don't mean this to be offensive to the brother, just really, really poor argumentation. And I listened to a few of the things coming up to the debate. I listened to how this 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 brother would talk about the text and the issues, and it was just very, 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 very poor. Uh, and in the debate, it just it just was obvious. Uh, this man is not operating uh, from the scriptures. Uh, exegesis is not being done. Uh, and so I'll just let you hear it. So I mean, this, this is was just recent right yeah this happened about three three or four weeks ago oh, okay this is the one doctor i went to california i want i actually wanted to go with him but i things were getting kind of crazy for us he didn't have room on his bike yeah I, I was i was gonna say hey let's all go up there and let's Nothing. listen to this debate Nobody. So, okay yeah no takers on that <laughs> gonna leave it <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna let it hang okay here we go and that's what takes place the rest of us let me try this again sir you are not answering my question you are violating all the rules of debate I'm going to ask you one more time for the sake of these people in front of us. Show them some respect, sir. Please, show some respect and answer the questions directly. What does it mean no one is able to come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him? I don't care about the 1689. I don't care if I'm on the planet. What does it mean? It means that... Everybody that has ever done any act, evil or otherwise, has been drawn into it by the decrees of God, and it it is it, it's intellectual suicide to say that now he's not drawing everything that comes to pass. Are you saying that he does not? Do you think when Jesus is talking to these people that this is what he meant, sir? Even in your commentary on John six, you talk about the inefficiency um, of the. Uh, old covenant and, and the sufficiency of the new um, and it, it perfectly ties in with um, when, when you teach John do you talk about me every time you teach John <laughs> <laughs> That's Again, and that, that I just want to point for a moment here um, when I 
became a Calvinist and Reformed, I spent a great deal of time just saying, okay, Lord, I commit to just reading the text and letting it speak for itself. I actually went to Calvary Chapel for, I think it was three years total that I went to Calvary Chapel. Love those people. They love the Lord, uh, of course. Uh, but there were all these inconsistencies, these conflicts that I kept coming up against and having to face myself with what I had as a tradition, things that I had been taught, things that I had been teaching and saying and preaching and what I was seeing in the text of Scripture. I just couldn't make certain things work. I'd come to particular texts like John 6, and I couldn't make sense of what I... It just seemed like I was coming into like particular parts of the narrative of the Scriptures I could understand. I get that. I understand that. It fits. I'd come to other places where I would read like John 6, and I would be like, it just seemed like... I was in the cuckoo land, like I just I was in just a confusing jungle where I just couldn't quite grapple with what Jesus was saying. I accepted it. I said, that's the word of God. I believe that. But I couldn't make what I thought fit with what Jesus was saying. And I think this is one of those moments where that's on display with a Calvary Chapel pastor is that, that you can't just let the text say what it says. Let Jesus speak to the issue. Let him speak to our condition. Let him speak and make promises in regard to the Father and what he does in drawing people and then raising those people up. And here's a great example of Dr. White saying, look, just explain the text. And, and Steve Tassie can't do it without trying to bring in some other context. And in this case, uh, it should be rather simple. No man can come to me mm-hmm. unless the Father sent me draws him. What does that mean? No man can. No man is able to come to me. No ability. Unless what happens? The Father draws. And then what does the Father do with the one that he draws? He, uh, or what does Jesus do? I raise him up. I'm asking honestly because I'm asking you to do something okay. that every minister in this room would jump at the opportunity of doing. I am asking you to tell us without reference to me, without reference to Calvinism, what does John six forty four mean from the Bible alone? Can you do that? I'm arguing from the opposition. And the opposition, this is a debate on Calvinism, and the opposition would be, you're asking me to commit intellectual suicide to say that God didn't draw everything that comes to pass. Are you an I'm sorry, folks. I, I don't, I, know you I want cannot to engage. I, I, I the man will not talk to me, so there's no reason for me to continue asking questions because I'm not getting answers. So, um, I'm done with my time. In John 6, are you saying then that not everything is uh, causally decreed to come to pass prior to the drawing? So, you're not asking me. Good, excellent. I can tell you what John chapter 6 is actually about. Yes. John chapter 6 is Jesus talking to unbelievers. Notice verse 36. But I said to you that you have seen me and you are not believing. Jesus is explaining why they are not believing in him. Because verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one coming to me, I will never cast out. Because I have come down from heaven, not in order to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. In order that of all that he, is, that he has given me, I lose none of it, but raise it up on the last day. So he is explaining why these people can see all the miracles of the Son of God, they possess the Scriptures, and yet they are not believers. And they start grumbling about this. And so Jesus explains in verse 43, do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one... Gungus mooing. <laughs> Grumbling. 
Gungus, Gungus, that's what Dr. White, yeah. uh, Gungus, have you heard him talk about it? No. He, he would tell his kids, Summer, Summer and Josh, he would tell them growing up when they would be all grumbling, he would say, stop Gungus mowing. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you know what he's doing here? When he's reading the text like this? Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you think, is he reading a NASB? No, he's got the Greek he's New Testament the Greek, right, open yeah. in front he's of him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Has the capacity, dunatai, no one is able to come to me unless something happens. The Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so there is the necessity of the effective work of the Father in drawing someone to the Son... And please note, whoever is drawn is then raised up on the last day, which is the message of resurrection to eternal life. So the Father's drawing of someone to the Son brings about the perfect salvation of that person because Jesus is able to save all those the Father's given to him. And that's what he meant in John chapter 6. And I don't have to mention anybody else's belief to tell you that. Now we move to Arminianism. Because those that, uh, now God has to draw those that are outside of his control. Is that a question? Because that demonstrates the fact that you refuse to honestly represent the other side. question. You refuse, you just said, because you over and over again say, if God draws, it's Arminianism. No, it isn't. You refuse to make no, the necessary category recognition it's not of the God fact God. that God ordains the ends and it's the, the means. the fact that you're making a distinction between those that weren't drawn in the first place as if they were autonomous, and now God has to draw them as if I they were I never said anything even relevant to that. It sir. presupposes and begs the question. Sir, your inability to hear what I'm saying is a You need to think about this stuff. Uh, and you need to realize that he's gone from predeterminism. Now he's speaking of some kind of middle knowledge that God now has to. I said I deny and categorically deny middle knowledge. Then don't, uh, then don't ask, beg the question that would demand me to force you to embrace it. It's either Arminianism, because are you saying? Someone just accused Dr. White of believing middle knowledge. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> he doesn't really know much about James White, does no, he? No, I don't. Th- I don't think so. <laughs> and, and 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 here here is uh, one of the things I I try to pay attention to. It's it's one of those things like you know, I was watching a debate the other day, um, and the de- the debate was between um, uh, Carm, let's see, Matt Slick and Jesse Morrell, and it was on Calvinism. And I actually, I, I didn't watch it live. I just saw it come up my feed. And so I clicked on it and started watching it. And you could just see the old comments as they were happening oh, okay. in the actual live stream. And just saw like people who were professing believers in that thread saying over and over and over that the things were uh, circular reasoning, straw man, that's a straw man, that's a straw man. Even if it wasn't a straw man, they were going, that's a straw man. Right. It's like, well, that's not even the, def- the textbook it, definition yeah. of straw man. And it's almost like a lot of times just in Christian culture, we memorize what are logical fallacies that people have said, well, that's a logical fallacy, circular reasoning, category error, um, a straw man, whatever you might bring up. We memorize those terms or those phrases, and we begin to just use those and swing those in a discussion. We say, oh, that's a straw man. Ah, that's category error. That, that's this or that's that. We're not even using it properly. It seems like Steve Tassie here, 
He's just throwing out every bit of language that he can in the debate as though that would somehow win the debate when really the argument is over the text itself. What does the text say? What's our condition? That's the issue. What's our condition? What does John chapter 6 say about what God does in the midst of our condition? Jesus, I mean, Jesus says there in the text, you can't get away from it. He says, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who has sent me, that of all that he has given to me, I should lose nothing but raise it up at the last day. So you have the Father giving people to Jesus, and it's the will of the Father, Jesus says, to lose none of all that the Father has given to him. So, so you got to, we, 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 as people who trust in Jesus Christ, who are regenerate and love God and are saved, we, ha- we have to come to grips with what Jesus says there. The Father has given people to Jesus, and Jesus says that he will not fail in raising them up, which means, whether you like it or not, that there are people in that discussion who have not been given to Jesus. Mm. Because if they had been given to Jesus, Jesus would not fail in raising them up. Because why? It's the will of the Father that he not lose any of them. You, know, you might say, well, that doesn't seem fair. And if you say that, my first response is the same thing I said to myself. Well, wait a second. Am I thinking in a biblical category right now? Fair? Well, what's fair of mm. a just God who is holy and righteous that we all sin against? What's fair? We burn in hell. Would we burn in hell? Would be condemned, and we would be separated from him forever. So you start thinking through those. You go, wait a second. Now, like, why is why is the Father giving anybody to Jesus? That's gracious. That's really loving. That's that's a merciful God. And you move further through there, and you realize that in that conversation that Jesus has in John six, then he goes even. It gets bigger. Like he expands upon it. Not only does he say that the Father has given people to him that he will raise up and it's the giving of the father that precedes their believing in Jesus. That's very, very critical. The father gave people to Jesus and on that basis, Jesus raises them up and they come and believe. But then Jesus says, John six forty four, no man can. And no man is able. Nobody. Not even the ones that have been given to me by the father. Even they're not able to come to me unless something takes place. Unless the father who sent me draws him and i will guaranteed assurance raise him up on the last day now what's the what's the result of this conversation that jesus has what's the result people turned away from jesus it was too hard for them to accept it was something they could not follow believe in accept and i love how jesus wraps up these sorts of conversations with people who are hanging out afterwards he says, do you also want to leave? And their response is, where are we going to go? Mm. You have the words of eternal life. You see, they got it. The other ones who were following Jesus were following Jesus because Jesus offered them stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's feeding them. He's encouraging them. You know, all, you know they're, they're in the in group. They're following Mashiach. Like, this is, you know, this is why they were coming. But they were not believing. And that's what Jesus confronts, that they were not believing that's the difference is they followed Jesus, but they didn't really trust in Jesus. And then further, if you look at John 10, John 10, it can go right alongside John chapter six. And that's what Jesus actually says pretty forcefully. He says that he's the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. So there is Christ's sacrifice, his giving of himself. There's atonement there, his giving of himself for his people. He's the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. And then what does he say? Other sheep I have, of the, uh, which are not of this fold, them I must also bring, 
right? And they will become one flock with one shepherd. What's that? Well, that's clearly Jew and Gentile being brought together into one people. Christ laying his life down, not just for Jews, but also for Gentiles. And, but what, what is the powerful part of that in terms of our hope is that Jesus says what? Them I must also bring, or I will bring also, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. That's guaranteed. There it is. There's a promise of Christ's perfection, his perfect work. But and this is this is where it gets big. This is where it starts to actually um, cause our traditions to fall apart and to really get exposed. Because their response to Jesus saying this, like the, the follow up in the text, as as the text moves through the narrative is they say, if you're the Messiah, Messiah, tell us plainly. And I love what Jesus says. He doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, you missed the meeting. Uh, you didn't get like the memo. You didn't get the email. Like, uh, s- sorry that it wasn't communicated to you. He doesn't say that. He says, I told you. Like, they couldn't hear it. And we just want to know plainly. He says, I told you. Mm-hmm. He says, the reason you can't hear me is because you are not of my sheep. You're not mine. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And I do what? He says, I give them eternal life and nothing can snatch them out of my hand. They're in my hand. Nothing can snatch them out of my hand. They're in my father's hand. Nothing can snatch them out of my father's hand. You see, we have to come to grips with the fact that Jesus clearly gives categories of those who are his that he lays his life down for, and those who do not belong to him, who are not able to come to him, who cannot hear him, and who are not of his sheep. Randy, you, you got some stuff written down there. What do you want to say? Oh, no. I, I was just listening. Uh, I mean, I was kind of following along with you in the text in chapter 8 where it says the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Right. right? So that's what you just covered. I was just thinking and listening to this about how you know we say it's difficult when we come to these texts you know, in a way, that's the internal conflict. But otherwise, you're left with what you described at uh, what you described at the beginning of your conversion, where you had all these struggles with the text itself, right? And then all of a sudden, that that conflict moves internally, and you have to say, "Am I going to follow the text faithfully, or am I going to find another verse to jump to so I don't have to really deal with what the text is saying?" That's right. Right. Yeah. That's cognitive dissonance. You just, you know, it's something happening up there. That's right. Yeah, you guys ready? Move on. Do you have something you want to say? No. No? Okay, here we go. More stuff. God has not caused everything that comes to pass to the point where then he now has to draw them. (laughs) Sir? One more time. One more time. Now they're free. Excuse me. You asked me a question. Allow me to answer the question. You asked me a question. You show a prosperity. While I was answering your question, because you wouldn't answer any of mine. Once again, what is the failure here? The utter failure of the meaningful of having meaningful communication is because in Brother Tassie's mind, if God ordains ends, if what happens in time is actually meaningful, if the incarnation meant anything, then Calvinism can't exist because he's crushed it all down to it's just a simple thing of God ordaining and we're all a bunch of puppets. And that's not what we believe. And that's why none of his arguments have anything to do with Calvinism because he refuses to allow Reformed theology to speak for itself. And there is the perfect example of it right there. 
God ordains the means by which he draws his people to himself, which is the preaching of the gospel, the work of the Holy Spirit, and the proclamation of the word of God. Those ends are just, those means are just as much a part of his intention as anything else. You cannot take them out, and when you do, you end up with the incoherence that we're dealing with this evening. It is perfectly coherent. You are seeing the equivocation of going from one view of sovereignty into another. And it is impossible. You commit intellectual suicide. And in fact, speaking about a kindergarten uh, idea that you can possibly do this would be, uh, I, I would ask that you, you must think. He at first argues that you have to, God, God controls everything that comes to pass. And then all of a sudden in John 6, he's out of control. He's got to draw some people. That's the page. It's not just that doesn't logically follow <laughs> whatsoever. Um, he, by the way, the Bible says that he declares the end from the beginning. He does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can stay his hand and say, what have you done? That's what the Bible does say. So that, and that's the, that's the conflict here is that when you have a, when you have a system that poo-poos like clear teaching in scripture about God's sovereignty as though you were in opposition to that. Hmm. Um, when you have a position that does that, like it's a position that should not be held onto because the texts are there. That's what the Bible actually teaches. And that's where, again, the wheels just start to fall off right. of these discussions. So you ask you questions. So once again, you're violating the rules of debate. No one has ever violated more rules of debate than you have. Congratulations, Mr. Gordon. Now the record holds. Secondly, I point out once again, it is a false assertion to say I am changing my views. I believe that God glorifies Himself in ordaining the fact that the people of God are used as the means by which. Through the proclamation of the gospel, the Holy Spirit draws others to himself. How many of you in here have been blessed and changed by seeing someone saved because you were used by God to bring the message of grace to them? Aren't you glad that God allowed you to do that? And that's a means of your sanctification. God ordains both the ends and the means. He denies the use of means. Therefore, he will never represent my position accurately or correctly. That's why this debate never even started. I do not deny the means. I am taking logical conclusions of the, the very statements that are, are taking place. That he, he now has to say that God does not decree everything that comes Where did I say that? Where did I say that, sir? It presupposes it. It does not presuppose it. If you will allow different categories, it presupposes nothing. You simply refuse to allow views of sovereignty. You're asking me to allow different views of sovereignty. I have never changed my view of sovereignty whatsoever. It is your demand that sovereignty mean a simplistic puppet world that makes the problem for you here, sir. And please, you must realize every reformed person in this room knows you're arguing against a strong man. I ask you, as your brother in Christ, stop and listen, it is not sir. a straw man. Is it possible that God is predeterministic and He is compatibilistic and He is Arminian and He is open to <laughs> Because that's what He's asking you to believe. Broke the meter. I just asked you to be Arminian and open theistic. 
I don't even know what to say at the point in time like this. I really don't. I, I apologize. I'm sorry. You may be finding it entertaining, but if you came here... Why would God have to draw those that he's He chose to do it that way, sir. And as if he didn't uh, cause everything... Why do you think... Up to that? Sir, those are completely disconnected categories. They're... How You're can, right. how can you drive you down the road and, 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 and function this categories. That is my point the whole night, is they're disconnected oh. categories. And yet he's asking me to, to a one verse, to take one verse and disconnect them. No, you can't disconnect them. In fact, God is hardening hearts in Romans 9. Um, now are you semi-Pelagian? There's something about the heart of man that isn't, uh, you know, uh, wicked enough that now he has to harden it. It presupposes that it wasn't hard enough in the first place. Now, if that was a question, which it really wasn't, but I would point out that the concept of judicial hardening, and especially the hardening that takes place in regards to Pharaoh, was in regards to what I even explained this when I gave the Pharaoh, in and of himself, would have relented to save his own skin. But God had a purpose in the utter destruction of all the gods of Egypt. And so he hardened him to his own destruction. And why? Because it was God's intention from the beginning to demonstrate his supremacy over all the false gods of Egypt. Notice the category that I allow to come from Scripture and and here's uh, just an encouragement if you're just starting to listen to Apology or Radio and just getting into these kinds of discussions can I offer a word of encouragement on that particular point with Pharaoh um, about a month ago I decided to uh, in my Bible reading to also just go through Exodus again and I was reading Exodus and here's the thing look you can't read the first 15 chapters of Exodus and not come face to face with these particular points mm. I mean, I mean, God telling Moses, go tell Pharaoh such and such, but I'm going to harden his heart. <laughs> right. You know, and, and why? And it's in order, Romans 9, to show my power. In order to show my power. So, yeah, Pharaoh's a wicked sinner. I'm a wicked sinner outside of Jesus Christ. But there is judicial hardening where God actually judges his creatures by hardening their hearts to allow them to have what they want. Mm-hmm. Besides, I love uh, that the Apostle Paul used the example of clay and the potter in Romans 9. Why? Why? What do you have to do? What do you have to do with clay to get clay to harden? Leave it alone. Let clay be clay. Right? Yeah. What, you could speed the process up by putting it in fire, you know, to... Put it into an environment where it will get harder quicker. But I love that, that God chose to gave us the picture of potter and clay. Because in that text, it's clear God hardens Pharaoh's heart. But what is Pharaoh in God's hands? Clay. Mm-hmm. And what does clay naturally want to do? Well, it wants to get hard. It want, that's, that's just its natural properties. And so what's really, I think, beautiful about Romans 9 at this point is that not only does God harden Pharaoh's heart in order to display his power in the entire situation over the gods of Egypt, over Pharaoh. By the way, it's fascinating. The uh, plagues that God sends into Egypt represent the powers 
of the gods of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so God is displaying his supremacy over the gods of Egypt. But, but what's amazing in that text is that it follows Romans 5, where you have all of humanity wrapped up in Adam. But there's, there's also the representative Jesus. And then you've got Romans chapter 9, where now you have all of humanity the same lump, Paul says. All the same lump. Mm. From the same lump. All of us the same. God chooses to make vessels of honorable use and vessels of dishonorable use. He mercies whom he wills and he hardens whom he wills. And you will say to me, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? And the answer from scripture, from the sovereign God is, who are you? O man who answers back to God. So shall the thing formed say, why have you made me like this? What if God, then Paul describes one lump, mercy, hardening, honorable use, dishonorable use from the same lump, clay automatically hardens. That's its nature. Mm-hmm. So guys, want to fill in here real fast before I go to a break? Yeah, I just wanted to say some of the some of the comments or some of the groans or kind of subtle exclamations are not coming from the studio. That's just from the audience. That's from the audience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Holding the phone or whatever. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, those that came from that came that didn't come from Austin. Although I did see Austin drop his head down a few times and banging on the table there. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, guys, quick break. We'll be right back. ApologiaRadio.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Make sure you share it with someone you know, guys. Thanks for listening. It's Calvinist Batman. Have you heard of my podcast? I invite a different guest on each week, some who are well-known and others who have secret identities of their own. Each show, we talk about theology, current events, and have some fun, mostly at my guest's expense. So listen to Calvinist Batman and Friends, available on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. It's the podcast you need and the one you deserve. Because I'm Batman. For 21 years and counting, New St. Andrews College has sought to obey Christ's great commission to disciple nations and build him a house, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout the world. Not with stones and mortar, but with living stones. We build and fight. This is the task of a Christian liberal arts college, to equip students with the tools to build and fight. This is our joyful task as we seek to graduate leaders who shape culture through wise and victorious living. To learn more, visit us online at nsa.edu forward slash explore. You rather look down on my generation for getting hung up on smoking and drinking, knowing it's bad for us. The great thing about having a studio is that you guys never even know like what's taking place in the last minute or two since we took a break. And so we just had an entire television show, and an after minutes. show. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about eating <clears throat> chicken. Well, there was that too. There was some eating of chicken as well. We did have we all, everyone here got a chance to have some lunch. 
But that was only after we had a television show and an after show with former Libertarian presidential candidate Austin Peterson. What? Yes. No relation. We really did have Monopology TV. And I will say, just so everyone understands, we don't only have people on Apology TV that we agree with. Oh. This man is an atheist, but the really interesting thing, and I said this to him in the episode, and I would love it if you guys got a chance to see it. We'll see what Marcus can put up over the next couple days. Some clips from that. I told him he obviously hasn't been able to shake his Christianity loose. Because if you listen to Austin Peterson, he's no longer a candidate for president right now. If you listen to Austin Peterson in his presidential debates, man, he was speak he was spitting some truth. Dropping bombs. He, he was, was, yeah. And he wasn't going to drop bombs. No, no. He's dropping bombs, but he <laughs> wouldn't do that. That's a good libertarian joke, go. Austin. Good one. That was but he quick. wouldn't really well do that. Right? <laughs> he wouldn't really. He was dropping bombs, but he wouldn't really. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, we had Austin Peterson on. He's an atheist. Uh, he's, you know, he, uh, he said he's an agnostic. He's a materialist. He says he's an agnostic. But he's a functional atheist, and uh, we wanted him to feel welcome. We wanted him to have some fun with us, but we also wanted to communicate truth to him and give him the gospel. And I think, I think that we were successful in doing that. Uh, so we had him on for again the TV show and after show, and I let him talk a little bit. I will say it's extremely hard for me to uh, not go all in, but since he was a guest on our show, and we would like to have him back, and we want to open up communication with the gentleman, uh, and we actually got. Him to commit to coming out to Phoenix and having dinner with us when he comes out. Uh, we, we got to talk and we talked about how his materialism was not consistent with his libertarianism. And so we challenged him a little bit on that. And so you guys get to see that hopefully soon. All access. You will definitely see it. Uh, but we'll try to put some clips up for you guys. We're going to play some for you right now. That's the benefit of having your own space. See, when we were at KPXQ 1360, we were airing all over Arizona. But we only had a limited time to squeeze in an episode just when the tech could be there and so you know we had to hurry things along telling you if we were like 30 seconds over they're like you guys gotta go we got the stink eye and there was no chicken either i bet no no chicken no chicken definitely didn't get us lunch no so uh now we get to we just pulled some of the audio man j-man wouldn't give us j-man was a man you guys remember remember j-man if you've been listening for a long time you remember j-man joy Uh, said she misses j-man we all miss j-man he's a man uh, so here we go. Not just Remember, the hey, man, here's the, the thing. J-man. Because also, watch, because it was in our studio, sometimes things would happen on the show, and we would just look right at J-Man, and he, his face was flush and red, and he would, he, we would finish the show, we'd open the door, and he'd be like, all right, guys, yeah, great, great show. I'm, I'm going to have to review some of that and see if we, if, if, I don't, so I don't get fired. Like, because stuff, yeah. stuff would happen on Paul J Radio that they weren't necessarily down with. Salem Communications wasn't necessarily down with all of our content. So, uh, at, any, Salem. at any rate, here is some of the conversation, just a smidge of the conversation with Austin Peterson. We just had Apology After Show. Here we go. This is where we get thing, religions like Scientology, for example, Absolutely. with L. Ron Hubbard. That's a cult, uh, yeah. And, and, and there have been charlatans throughout history who have come in the name of God because, when you again, when you cannot disprove the claims that someone are, is making, the fantastic claims that someone proved, then you, you um, again, you can get the incredulous to get on board. Is, so it, is I, a charlatan I, the, the, a problem? Let me ask you that. Is a charlatan is. a problem? Yeah, world, it is. And it from is. a materialist? But, but, then, but we have charlatans who also say that the state is God. They say that the 
state can solve our problems or provide us with health care. Uh, you know, I'm a skeptic on both these. They, they, we call them statheists. But they're charlatans as well because they believe that an all-knowing, all-loving, you know, benevolent, democratic God can provide for all, you know, can create the 30 loaves and fishes. And I just happen to believe that both are, are you know, why is, fairy tales. Why, I think, I'm saying, yeah, true. Well, I, I think that you're losing your punch, though, in your argument when you don't have God as your foundation, though, Austin, because being a charlatan isn't a problem from a materialist perspective. We're all just stardust. You have an, you have an arbitrary... You have an arbitrary... I do believe in a law. I mean, we have natural law, right? So um, well, we have how do you physics. justify that as a materialist? How do you justify an appeal to law that others should follow as a materialist? Yeah, well, we, every action has an equal and opposite reaction, and you see that you see that in, in the way that we administrate law. So there is a bit, there is a bit sort of an eye for an eye uh, uh, method to our justice system. If you steal from someone... Well, and there actually to, literally is be, because it was based on the Bible. Right. Right. So exactly. So there's. So what you see in the law is that. Right. <laughs> exactly. There it is from the Bible. Uh, that's right. So I just wanted to give you a taste. <laughs> it's just a taste. It's so good. It's definitely one of the best it, episodes it, we've done. It's just a taste, and uh, so that'll be coming up soon. So praise God. Pray for Austin. I told him I just wanted him to come to Jesus. This yeah. Austin or the, that? Don't. Well, pray for him too. He's you know, Austin. Austin does a lot of work here. He needs prayer. My favorite part was when. You said you dropped the public school mic on him about his his worldview, and he just goes, right. Right. (laughs) You should have seen his face when he did it, too, because I was watching him, and he just goes... Right. Oh, you will. You'll get to see his face. Please, Marcus, get that yeah, up. Yeah, I will. I will it, you know, it kind of it kind of made me nervous because we couldn't really see if he was enjoying himself. By the way, he was vaping. Not. He, was. he, he was, was. He was vaping on. I'm not sure how NRB is gonna be down with that. <laughs> he's gonna be. They, he's, I, certain families are gonna turn on the TV and be like, "What's he? What is that robot he's smoking? Marijuana? Smoking pot? Is that THC? Yeah. Uh, so, but but, but, but also. <laughs> Austin said Austin was enjoying himself. He so. did, and we got a good opportunity to continue a relationship with the man. Hey, I, I, I meant it when I said it to him. You know, I want people to listen to what he's saying. I'm not saying that I'd vote for the guy. He's an atheist. But I, I want people to li- Is that some kind of Jewish hip-hop? I don't know what's happening right now. It's like Mazel Tov. Ba- it says Balkan. Balkan the name of the record is Mazel hey, Tov and, and Ma- Mazel Tov and Hop. What is this? We all know that that's not really what Jewish hip hop sounds like, though. It's called Mazel Hop. <laughs> hey, oh! All right, so what you? I what is this? I'll, I'll skip ahead. Okay, I'll it was good. Ahead. It so, got weird. I did say I want people to listen to Austin Peterson and what he says because you know I'm telling you the stuff that he says. He got it from the Bible. I mean, he said he as did. much when he said, "Yeah, we uh, equal uh, eye for eye." So that's that's directly from the Bible. He said, "You can't understand Western civilization unless you know the Bible." That's right. That's right. So here's the thing: I said to him in the episode, I said, I, something to the effect of like the reason you're libertarian is because you have such a strong uh, understanding of our history and the Christian worldview and the history we have as a nation. So that I said, that's why you're a libertarian. That's what I think, and uh, I think I'm right about that. I think so. I think he admitted. Yeah, it comes from the Bible. And I think he needs Jesus. And I told him he needs Jesus. <laughs> so I hope I, get, I hope I get to tell him. Times. I hope I get to tell him he needs Jesus but you over know, a stake. The one thing I wanted to I wanted to tell him, we didn't have time, but I wanted to let him know that 
the, the reason that Gary Johnson is now the presidential candidate for the Libertarian Pop Party is because they don't have a standard by which they govern. That's right. That's been the problem with the Libertarian Party is everyone's like, well, what is a Libertarian? Everybody has such varying views. But if they had a standard, then probably Austin Peterson probably would have been... Like the Bible? Yeah. <laughs> if Austin... Listen, if Austin Peterson were regenerate, he loved Jesus, he was saved, and he was saying the things that he was saying, I think he would gather much of the evangelical vote. I yeah, think he I would. But yep. the problem is, is that his atheism is inconsistent. Well, sorry, his agnosticism, his materialism is inconsistent with the things that he's saying. Those things don't comport with liberty and ideas of liberty. And so that's the problem. So speaking of atheism, we might as well continue the conversation. Might let's as well. keep going. Uh, let's do this. This is one of my favorite parts ever of the movie Collision. It's Douglas Wilson versus Christopher Hitchens. They did a book tour. I think the name of the book was Is Christianity Good for the World? And they did a book tour and a debate tour where they went to King's College and they went to Westminster, Philly. They went to some pubs. They hung out together and they talked about God. And it's amazing. And so our buddy Darren Doan did it. He's a director and filmmaker and he put it out. It's really good. If you haven't seen Collision yet, highly encourage it. Maybe, I don't know, sometime you'll see it soon from, you know who, I don't know. Uh, collision. So, that's that's what's up, go get it. Uh, but here is a clip, my favorite clip, I want to warn you ahead of time about what you're about to hear. If you have children in the room, uh, there's a curse word here, but the curse word is, how do I put this in the right way? This is a righteous use of a curse word. Serrated edge. This is godly cursing. That makes sense to you? Like now, scuba alarm? Now, let me say, like, like I, I do not, in my home, my children have never heard never heard me curse because I don't curse. Uh, I believe that what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what's in your heart. And so um, so that's how I feel about it. But this is righteous, a righteous curse word. Luke is right. Serrated edge. This is answering the fool according to his folly. Proverbs 26. Answer the fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. This is Douglas Wilson answering Christopher Hitchens, the fool, according to his folly, using his worldview. And here you go. I want you to give me the evidence for an objective moral standard that governs all of us. And you can't appeal to any, any anything because those conflict. You can't appeal to the general consensus because those differ over time. You, you haven't given any evidence whatever for all your condemnations of this, that, and the other thing. I can understand, I can understand an atheist saying there is no God, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. There is no God, and I'm going to embrace nihilism. I understand that. What I don't understand is the fierce, puritanical denunciations of Jerry Falwell and all sort you know, all the different people who are doing just doing their thing, doing what protoplasm does at these temperatures and under these conditions. <laughs> <laughs> now, why, why the denunciation? No, it's, like, it's, it's, what, uh, it's not unlike what uh, the physicist of all dates said about the universe. It's not just stranger, or he put it queerer, um, than we understand. It's, it's stranger, queerer than we can understand. Um, the, I, I, I'm happy to, uh, that the arguments of ethics and morality and philosophy remain unresolved. See, I don't look for certainty. But you don't act I don't look for, I don't look for a final 
teleological verdict. I, I know that it will, I will always be arguing. Why is it that the killing, the kicking of a, a pregnant woman in front of me is incredibly repulsive? And yet I could demand the killing of her and her unborn child in different circumstances. You just said this argument will go on, and and probably can't be resolved. Doesn't mean we have to capitulate the situation or anything sort of But it is not improved. It's not improved, let alone solved, by the introduction of a supernatural authority. I'll, I'll make can't, a the supernatural authority is of no help to us. And it may order us to do things that a secularist would cringe from doing, I'll such as murdering his son to please a uh, Stone Age uh, idol. I'll make you a deal, for example. I'll make you a deal. You say that the, que the basic questions of morality are unresolved. Here's the deal. Why don't you write like they are unresolved? Well, I'm, I'm virtually everything you write, you act like, and you and you write. I think many times correctly, you denounce as though they are they are completely and totally resolved. Look, Christopher, there is no God. Shit happens. Ooh, ooh, boy, <laughs> Dougie knows how to drop a mic, don't he? <laughs> You're, you're right. You get to right. That was one of the most brilliant moments in any Christian atheist debate I've ever seen, uh, because it was answering the fool according to his folly, and it was genius, genius. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you say? It speaks for itself. That's the truth. And you know, the point is, and that's kind of what I was trying to get across to Austin Peterson. I didn't know how much time I had with him. Plus, I want to have a relationship with the guy and preach the gospel to him over an extended period of time. I don't want to end the relationship if I can avoid it right now. But he got the gospel. But that's what I was trying to point out to him was just that. you. I, I even brought up the same issue. I said, you have the moral indignance of a Puritan. You know, mm -hmm. that, you know when, you, when you talk about the things that you do, it doesn't comport with your atheism. You know, you write Christopher Hitchens like there's this absolute moral standard, like, uh, you know, believing in God is, is abusive, and you start railing against the God of the Bible, you call him a big meanie, and you act like he's violated some moral standards. But yet, you know, then you say in the same breath, like you just said right here, you say what well, you just said. And then what is that? Like, oh, no, I'm not saying there's a moral standard. I'm not saying that we can know a certainty, anything. It's like, that's what Wilson's saying. Like, like, <laughs> why don't you, why don't you write like you're saying right now? You can't because you're in the image of God. Image bearers of God can't live consistently with atheism. It's impossible. You can't do it. This is why atheists, listen, craziest thing to me today. You see it the most, I think, with like the Bernie Sanders, the Bernie Sanders supporters. Yeah. Bernie Sanders, right? Socialism, the 1% and the children and the babies and Jesus, Samaritan. God bless you. Like all this conversation, who follows Bernie Sanders? Like all these people who are just brainwashed and duped in the secular education system, public school raised and secular college. And then they form these little groupings and they're like social justice, <laughs> social justice. It's like and free things. Are you listening to yourselves? You're telling everybody. Yeah, free, free yeah, things. Right. Big quotation. Yeah. Luke said, "Big free really, things." Really, really. Are you listening to yourselves? Big giant. Yeah. <laughs> quotation. <laughs> yeah. I wish you guys had video on this. Uh, free things. Uh, so, are you listening to yourselves? You guys live in a world, and you tell one another, like, "Oh, we're just the descendants of apes, and we're African apes in a world." 
that didn't have us in mind in a universe that's just completely careless and and there's really no laws really to speak of because yeah there's laws we observe them we have to use them my goodness to drive cars and to uh, form recipes and to fly airplanes and to build buildings but you know those laws Lawrence Krauss says came about by sheer accident so who knows who you can depend upon them who knows if they're going to be valid in five seconds I don't know you tell people like you know look we're just you know stuff floating around in the universe doesn't care about us and uh, there's a big heat death coming uh, we're going to die and uh, the Andromeda galaxy is coming collision crash crash course with our galaxy, and we can see it in the in the horizon. We see it coming, and we know there's the end of our our galaxy, and and life is over. And then they're like Bernie Sanders, woo, right? Justice, one percent, like not fair. Start being fair. This isn't fair. It's like it's just such a contradictory, convoluted worldview and way of thinking. And it, it, what's amazing about someone like Austin Peterson, atheist like that? Oh my goodness. It's like he is so in love with what the Christian worldview offers, but he is a sinner against God. He needs to turn his life over to Jesus Christ. That's what I said to him. I said, you know, you're, you, all of your arguments lose their oomph. They lose their punch because you're a materialist. Come to Jesus, be saved, and then let's go fight the world together. Amen. Anybody else? You guys feel free. What do you have to say about the Douglas Wilson Dropping the bomb. It's pretty epic. Yeah. The best movie ever made. I love how it like built up and then it was just like dropping lightning bolts like Zeus or something. <laughs> Even though, you know. Well, thank you Dawkins for releasing. Doesn't, thank Dawkins you for, doesn't believe in Zeus. Uh, yeah, I think thank, we're not. Thanks for revealing your uh, affection for Zeus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm All right. Um, so here we go. Let's, let's do some more. Let's have some fun on this. So atheism just became a topic for us. So let's run with it. Um, so this, if you haven't heard it, I'm actually surprised as to how many people haven't heard this. Because it's really good. And so I'll point you to where you can get it. C-M as in mama. F as in your as mom. As in Frank. Now.com. CMFnow.com. Uh, just search in the search bar for Bonson and Smith. You should be able to find it. It's an MP3 and it is when Greg Bonson was on with George Smith uh, on a radio show talking about uh, God. And the reason this is so good is because George Smith, if you don't know who he is, George Smith is one of the most famous atheists of our last century. Uh, he, Amongst atheists, they know who George Smith is. George Smith wrote a classic, classic atheistic work. It's called Atheism, <laughs> The Case Against God. Luke and I are like joined at the hip and so every time we hear certain words we we know what's in each other's heads and so yeah joy she knows we had a moment earlier today we did so no one else was a part of classic work he can't even stop himself from saying it right now probably uh the classic work classic it's just cla- so classic <laughs> I'm just to see if I can draw it out uh, the case against God George Smith here's the thing uh, atheists go to this book because he argues rather intellectually for the case against God from his perspective I do not think that this man knew what he was getting into when he agreed to be on the radio with Dr. Greg Bonson. I do not believe he knew what was going to happen. Uh, Greg Bonson, I believe, is, was one of the greatest 
intellectual minds and philosophical minds in the history of the Christian church. I just, you can't convince me otherwise. Uh, he is uh, was a true blessing to the church, and God had his plans for Dr. Bonson and took him home super early, 46 years old. Uh, and, you know, if I had my way, I'd say, please, please don't do that. <laughs> uh, but God is perfect, and his ways are perfect. And he took him home to be with him. But um, Dr. Bonson got a chance to be in the radio, and I want you to hear it. Let's just kind of play through some of it. Here we go right now. And when you say, uh, you know, you had this, you were religious, did you, did you consider a personal relationship with Jesus Christ oh, yes. part of what you had? Yes, very much so. Because some people would make a differentiation no, no, between I was, religion uh, and relationship. Well, I was raised on Air Force bases. The churches were technically non-denominational. But my experience was, so I can't say it was Baptist or any particular theology, but uh, I, was, I considered myself a fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. I, I, I accepted what I considered to be a literal belief in the Bible, etc. Mm-hmm. Dr. Greg Bonson, and you're doctorate from USC in epistemology, and as a Christian theologian, of course, you have done many debates and written in the area of God's existence. Uh, where does one begin in presenting evidence for God? How would you uh, approach George Smith, for example? Well, I appreciate about George, I've only met him this afternoon, um, but I appreciate about his writings that he understands how important epistemology is to the whole discussion. If we're going to talk about the existence of God, we're not going to want it uh, to reduce the question of emotion or just volitional commitment of some sort without uh, man's intellect being engaged. And I think he's right about that. As Christians, we do not give up our intellect when we believe in God or follow the scriptures. And so um, since the issue is epistemology, this may not be what many of your hearers would like to get into perhaps, but we need to talk about what amounts to proof and what amounts to knowledge and how these things are possible. Mm -hmm. And I would say that uh, we have to be extremely critical. Uh, I know that Christians often have the reputation for not being critically minded, and I I think that's probably a a failing on our part when we're like that. But if we're going to be critically minded, we need to examine the presuppositions of of our thinking. And... um, we have to look at the worldview that we're espousing we argue in a particular way or not. And so if, if I were you know, talking with George over coffee, I think I would probably talk to him, first of all, about what outlook he has on the world. What does he conceive reality to be? How does he know what he knows? How should he live his life? And I would compare that to the Christian worldview, what we understand to be reality and how we know what we know and how we should live our lives. And then, of course, we're going to have to eventually get to the point of deciding how does one choose one worldview over another. Uh, at some point, maybe after two or three cups of coffee, I would eventually challenge George that um, on an atheist worldview, the presuppositions of atheism do not provide a foundation for proving anything whatsoever. And therefore, in one sense, the strongest evidence and argument for the existence of God is that without a belief in God, you can't prove anything. Classic uh, transcendental reasoning there, and if you're new to Apologia Radio, it would be good to just spend a, a brief moment talking about this, and you guys feel free to jump in here. The perspective that Dr. Monson is coming from is that from the, an epistemological standpoint, the theory of knowledge, how do you know what you know, um, from, from that perspective, Bonson is saying ultimately that if you don't have as your principium, if you don't have the, as the source, God, if you don't have him as, this, as, this, as the starting point, as the, as the reference point, then you can't prove anything. Because what does it take to prove something? To prove something, 
you'd have to believe that there's such a thing called truth. You'd have to believe that our minds are capable of understanding that analytical truths and universal laws of thought are valid things to appeal to. You'd have to say that, you know, integrity matters in discussion when bringing up issues of proof. Are you allowed to lie? Can you lie as you wade your way through the conversation? You have to believe these things. They have to be in place. And then underneath that, you have to have a meaningful foundation for those things. Like, how, how do those things uh, have any basis at all in the conversation? And, and how do you justify any of those things? Integrity? Why, why, why am I obligated to have integrity and to be honest in discussion? Here's, here's the basic point, is that atheistic presuppositions, atheism as a worldview, cannot provide the preconditions necessary to have a discussion about proving anything. Because if you take what the atheist believes about the world, what he actually postulates is as our origins. This is where we come from. This is, where we, this is what we are. This is who we are. This is where we're going. If you take all of that, it does not comport with a discussion about proving anything. That's, that's the point. It's not just the negative uh, internal critique of atheism. Well, you can't do this and you cannot do that and you don't have this or that. And so you fall apart. It's the positive. Atheism cannot give a positive reason for what it's doing in debate. An atheist can't do it. And so that's, that's, where, that's where Bonson is going. And you know what's really interesting here is what I used to love so much about Bonson that really, I, I think I always thought this way as Christians. I think we do. We say like Christianity is about truth. Christians, gen, we all believe that, right? Mm-hmm. And we're like Christianity is a, is a faith that's rooted in evidence. You know, whatever persuasion you are uh, uh, apologetically and in terms of like your methodology, we all say like, you know, it's based upon proof. But like yeah, at times I think you see like in the Christian community, You'll see Christians argue and not have answers, and they'll say things like, "Well, you just gotta have faith." Well, you just gotta right. have faith. I don't know the answer to that, so you just gotta have right. faith. And like I don't know, you just gotta have faith, right? It's just like one of the things that like really woke me up and stirred me with Bonson was just how he showed that Christ is Lord over thinking. He's Lord right. over. He's Lord over our minds, and that if you don't have Him as Lord over your mind, then you can't properly think. And so the rigorous nature, I say often, of the Christian worldview is something that Bonson would often highlight, and he would heap scorn upon Christians for not thinking logically. And he would chastise. He'd say, you're not to do that. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You can't think inconsistently. You can't think with those kind of errors. And so uh, that was what I appreciated about him, and it made me love Jesus more. Made me, made me love him and what he means and who he, who he is to right. me a, a whole lot more. So, yeah. And that's one of the funny things is, is we often do use that cop out of like, Oh, you just have to have faith. But right. Jesus said, you know, I am the truth. And we take that at face value. We're just like, Oh, maybe he's, you know, just the truth to heaven or something like that. But I think he was actually saying something a lot yeah. deeper oh, yeah. than yep. just, I'm the truth for Believe heaven me. one day. It's right. Like, no, I'm, I'm the truth behind all of your thoughts. Right. Yeah. And, uh, in the all access, Dr. Oliphant, his, his, uh, whole thing on John one, Oh man, yeah, he really gets into it. Does he? Oh yeah. I didn't get you know I haven't even seen the, oh, the whole thing yet. yet. It yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Because I, I sat through it and I was I was blown away. <laughs> man, I oh, so my my if you guys are again I want to talk I know we have a lot of new listeners so I want to just point you to different resources so Greg Bonson presuppositional apologetics that's a text that you need in your library and uh, Dr. K Scott Oliphant. 
uh, Covenantal Apologetics, same thing, just different word. Uh, is really, really good. And what I appreciate about the two of them is that Bonson, I think, is has a superior intellect in terms of like the really heady conversation. And I think he has a formidable intellect. And I don't think that uh, he's... I, I wish he wasn't gone. Let's put it that way. I mean, there's so much that I just wish he was around. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Oliphant, he has a different way of explaining things in such a way that you really understand because he explains the biblical content, I think, better than Bonson did. Mm. Uh, Bonson was very heady intellectual yeah. and does a good job of just giving the smackdown and this is what the Bible says. But Oliphant has a, just a gift of communication in terms of making Christians be able to get it, like go, oh, okay, I understand that biblical truth and I understand that story. And so he really helps you understand. And I don't think, so I think like here's the, the Trinity. Bonson in his explanation and uh, his, no, definition of a presuppositional apologetics Oliphant in his explanation mm-hmm. of pre of presuppositional apologetics, covenantal apologetics, and James White in his consistent application of the lordship of Jesus Christ over all areas of thought and his engagement with the world. If you if you listen to those three men, yeah, it, it'll change your life. Yeah, Is that two pedo Baptists and a Baptist. It is, <laughs> but you but you'll notice, but you'll notice, is, you'll notice, you'll notice, you'll notice of you know the who three. Who was the consistent one? Yeah, you'll notice of the three. One of them did more debates and and fought and more. Well, one died early. Well, 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 Didn't he die before before early. like social media hey, age? Hey, Dr. Fair. White. Dr. White's not much older than Bonson was when he died, and uh, he's still done way more debates. <laughs> That's because that that, <laughs> bat, that being Baptist, man, it makes you fight. <laughs> to, be, to, to be fair, nobody wanted to debate Bonson. That's true. That is true. Why anybody would want to debate yeah, White yeah. either, though? One, one of the most, fa- I, yeah, yeah, one of the most, fa- one of the most famous uh, atheists, um, Michael Martin, famous atheist professor. Uh, he had agreed to debate Bonson, and that was going to be the debate. You can't get higher than that. Michael Martin, atheist professor versus Greg Bonson. There is not a level higher than Michael Martin in terms of like atheists going. That's the best of our thought. And Bonson was supposed to debate him, and Michael Martin backed out of the debate like either the day of or the day before or something. Mm-hmm. He backed out, and I think what it was is that he figured out who he was who he was actually debating, and he got a hold of some content or something because he backed out. Bonson showed up for the debate; he wasn't there for the debate. So Bonson spent the next day, <laughs> next two days, dismantling Michael Martin's uh, public teachings and writings. Uh, but yeah, I no no doubt about that. People did not want to debate Greg Bonson, and I completely understand why. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, you talk about the the intellectual, uh, uh, you know, strength of a Bonson, you know, uh, as far as an argument go. But you don't hear him being mean or angry right. towards George. He's showing respect. Yeah. And he's he's evidencing something that we we really try to promote in our apologetic, which is. We never lose sight of the person, mm. right? Mm. Yes, that's a good great point. point, Randy. Yeah, and you know, you know what's interesting you. is classic. that um, where my mind really started to change. Classic, classic, <laughs> Randy. Um, what's that? Had it ready. Classic. Oh, it oh, sounds, sounds so far away. I know. Um, it's a so, terrible version. Bonson has in his Bibli- uh, Introduction to Biblical Apologetics, available at cmfnow.com, it's a CD set, or you probably download it MP3 as, as well. Uh, he has 
uh, teaching in there somewhere in, in the first 10 lectures, if I remember correctly, and it's uh, conditions for success. I believe it's in the first 10 lectures. And when he talks about the conditions for success in apologetics, he talks about uh, humble boldness, and he explains why. Because our conditions for success are dependent upon a sovereign God opening eyes and hearts to him. And so that was something that really took root in me early on listening to Bonson was it really let my reformed theology come to life in my apologetic understanding that look when you go out to the abortion mill or when you go out to the Mormon temple or when you go out and you evangelize in any context you don't have to get crazy you don't have to be abusive because it's not gonna that's not gonna accomplish anything it's God who brings the increase and God who changes people's hearts and minds what's going on in the background ice cream truck what is that I have no idea Someone's phone going off. Marcus. Anyway, it's not mine. All right, here we go. Let's play a little bit more, then we'll wrap up the episode for today, guys. I want you guys to hear a little bit of the interaction. This is about 57 minutes long. Here's the thing. It's up right now. It's up on YouTube right now, and I don't think it's supposed to be. So, okay. I don't know. It might be allowed. I don't know. Okay. It's on YouTube. Greg Bonson, George Smith, 54, 57 minutes long. I think CMF now has some pretty tight copyright stuff on a lot of the content. I never know mm. though because like some of Bonson's stuff they let go some of it they're like really really strict about and I think this might be one of the ones they're super strict about. So I don't know but it's up right now so take a leak uh, take a leak. <laughs> <laughs> take a look at the leak. It's That's what you meant to say. <laughs> no the leak. <laughs> uh, Thursdays are usually pretty long days like we're just like talking and talking and talking. TV show, radio show. Yeah, I just combined take a look and take a link. Take a leak. I'm sorry. So don't do that. Listen to the the thing. Uh, We may cut that out. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. And so I would make that the foundation for reason. Um, Often, and uh, I think you'll see this if you read uh, George's book, you have people who present something of a Thomistic approach to faith and reason where faith... Um, fills in the gaps where reason uh, lets us down or is inadequate. Uh, my own theological perspective is more Augustinian rather than uh, Thomistic. And I would argue instead that uh, everything we do uh, engages the reason. As a- okay, so the, the difference, um, let me try to put it into a nutshell. When he says Augustinian in his persuasion, he means that he believes in order to see. He believes in order to understand. Mm. So that, that's a foundation because there's uh, uh, Thomistic and then there's the view of um, Augustinian and that's essentially brought down to, again, what Bonson's saying, you have to believe, you have to have trust and faith in God in order to understand, to know, to see. Fool of man's intellect, but that the cogent use of reason is impossible apart from the foundation of faith. And you see, I would preach that to my Christian brothers and sisters. They need to, you know, read the scriptures and use their minds and not simply have an emotional Christianity. But that would also be the premise that I would approach an atheist or an unbeliever with. I'd say that the best use of reason, in fact, the only use of reason, comes about when Christian faith is the foundation for it, or the worldview in terms of which you use your reason. But Greg, you wouldn't defer to faith as being some mystical faculty or credulity. You're talking about... uh a, a belief based upon evidence then. Yes. Um, there have been plenty of Christians throughout history that have taken that mystical approach to faith. They've defined it as a, a second approach uh, to knowledge apart from man's reason and so forth. But I think those are misguided. Mm-hmm. I would say that faith is essentially 
uh, belief. And the reason we talk about faith and reason is because when we have faith, it means we are trusting somebody else's expertise in some area. In that sense, the student at the university who first hears lectures about U.S. history or about logic or what have you begins to learn about these fields because he or she has faith in the instructor that they're giving them, you know, the straight scoop and that sort of thing. So the point is, and I'll just say this briefly, uh, we're going to have to wrap the show up at some point today, but every position is a faith position. Every, every position. Atheism is a faith position. Um, Christianity is a faith position to, to make a distinction between Christianity and atheism is like one's based upon science and facts and one's based upon pure faith or fideism. Um, it's, it's false. That's completely uh, false and uh, it demonstrates that the person hasn't thought through their position well enough when they say stuff like that. Atheism is a faith position. Christianity is a faith position. It doesn't mean that it's, it's again, uh, fideism. It's not blind faith, um, but it's a faith position. Everyone has to have faith, trust in certain principles, certain ideas, certain truths or facts that they think are true. And so every position is a faith position. And uh, it was really, oh, this completely reminds me. Totally forgot to bring it up. Amazing. How amazing is it? If you've been listening to Apologia Radio for a long time, you, I hope you caught what Austin Peterson said when he said statheists. Anybody? Yes. Does that sound like something you've heard before? Not, by the way, in the very creative way that he said it, which I now have adopted as our own. Statheism. Yeah. But what do we say? That it's not a question of whether you'll have a God over your system, which God? but which God you will have over your system, whether you will impose morality, but which morality will you impose? Mm. And we have always said, uh, I, I, I got it essentially from better men than me, uh, that people will always have a God over their system. Mm-hmm. All right. And so when you have a place like America that's abandoned the covenant where they had with God and they've moved now to away from Jesus Christ as a standard and God of the system to now some something else. We don't want Jesus anymore. Demas. They don't Demas. That's right. The people. We're God. And what's that end up looking like? Big government, right? A huge, what do people mean by democracy? A massive government, essentially, right? We were a constitutional republic. We were technically a Christian republic. That's, that's actually the truth. Um, but what's really amazing is you get it? Even Austin Peterson, a functional atheist, right. an agnostic, a materialist, which means he's basically an atheist. Uh, he said it, statheism. Right? People who say, this is God. They will take care of my problems. They will tell me what's right. They will tell me what's true. Right? Only thing is, though, is Austin Peterson's materialism cannot in any way combat mm-hmm. statheism. It can't, it can't do it. So it's really interesting here. It's just so cool how, uh, like, what, like this discussion, atheists have faith. Christians have faith. Christians believe in God, and they trust in him as their final authority. So do atheists. But it's which God? Which God? is the God over their system. Mm-hmm. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Anyone? God of the census, sometimes. Yeah. Right? That's right. That's right. right. That's oh, yeah. Truth oh, acquisition. Their lusts, their passions, carnal desires, right? Exactly, yeah. God of comfort. Yes. It's big right now. Yeah, very much so. Oh, yeah, huge. That's where, that's where people cast their children mm-hmm. to the God of comfort, right? I want to I be Ooh. comfortable. I want to be safe. And so here, take my child. I'll sacrifice my child on your altar so I can have comfort. Mm-hmm. It used to be you threw your children to crocodiles so you can have uh, rain for your crops. 
you know, you throw your child to um, into the into the fire so that you would uh, your 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 animals wouldn't die, mm. right? And you'd have good livestock and living strong, healthy livestock, and that's what you would do. And now we just have people that say, "Well, I, I need to go to college, right? Mm. I'm not ready to be a mom. I'm not ready to be a dad." And so they take their child, they put it on the altar. Why? So that I can give to the God, so that it gives me comfort, so that I have goodness and mercy and peace follow me all the days of my life. Christians have faith in another person. I mean, not apart from that, but in addition, we have faith in the person of God himself revealed in the scriptures. But I wouldn't say that that faith is apart from reason. I would say that engages the faculty of reason, and it is, in fact, the foundation for the use of reason. So would proper reasoning lead you to believe in the existence of God? I would argue that there isn't any proper reasoning apart from the foundation of belief in God. Mm-hmm. That apart from, it's not, so matter, it's not so much that it leads to belief in God, as belief in God is the necessary precondition for using man's reason at all. Okay, George Smith, it sounds like there needs to be sort of an a priori understanding here to arrive at the proper conclusions. Uh, how does that fit into your thinking? Well, there's several issues that were raised. Um, I don't really understand exactly what Greg means when he talks about belief in God as a precondition for reason. I, I, he might mean that to prove the validity of reason, but he just said in order to even reason, you can't even do that without belief in God. I don't believe in a God, and yet I presumably reason. Uh, maybe not to everyone's satisfaction, but I nonetheless do reason. Uh, as far as this idea of faith being trust in another... I should comment. I think Bonson does, but I don't know how much time we're going to be able to play through this. I'm not exactly sure where he says it. That That's one of the things that um, uh, atheists misunderstand when they talk to a Christian that's trying to be consistent in this area, uh, in the area of epistemology. They often say, well, okay, so you're saying I can't reason, but I am reasoning. Mm-hmm. Clearly I'm reasoning and I don't believe in God, right? The point is, is no, without God, there is no coherent reasoning. There is no um, uh, ability to truly justify reasoning because you cannot provide the preconditions necessary to make an appeal to reason intelligible. It's not possible with your atheism. But here's the thing. Atheists are image of God. So they're going to have love for their wives and their husbands. Mm-hmm. They're going to have love for their children. They're going to reason. They're going to have an ethical system. They're going to demand justice. They're going to cry out with Bernie Sanders, be fair, be fair, be fair. Why? Because they're image of God. And they will, of course, have ethics because they're image of God. Can't get away from it. Can't yeah. do it. Can't, can't stop an atheist from crying when a man walks into a uh, nightclub shooting it up and murdering people in Florida. Atheists cry because they're image of God. And they know, but they cannot watch justify mm. their crying. Even if they have confidence? Even if they have confidence. It's just confidence, right? And Bruce the Atheist in our debate at the Bonson Conference, right? He says, uh, and I don't know if anyone knows the background of that. Little, there's, little, there's a little bit of uh, inside stuff going on. Cy and I both know what confidence means. We've been in this for a long time. And so when, when, uh, when what's his name? Atheist? What's, I just Bruce, said it. Bruce, Bruce the, the Atheist. Atheist. When he said, I have confidence... I have confidence. You can hear me in that video. I said, so you have faith, Bruce? So you have faith? And I was getting ready to do it. And I don't even know if you can see the video, but like Cy reaches over and like tugs at me. He's like, he goes, I got it. (laughs) 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 Because he's getting ready to go up. He's like, I got it. (laughs) And he dropped an epic uh, explanation of confidence. With faith. With faith. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a classic moment in, uh, I was in in my car. I was in my car driving the first time I heard that. And I almost had to pull over. I was like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) All right, guys. You can see it. Yeah. Sorry. So, uh, encourage you guys to check out the 
Greg Bonson, George Smith radio debate discussion. Get it. If you don't have it in your library, download that joint. CMFnow.com. Do loss. You're a slave of Yesu Christu. Yes, sir. Slave of Jesus Christ. That's what Luke's shirt says right now. And you can get that shirt at missionalware.com. Missionalware.com, they support the work and life of Apologia Church, and you guys should buy a t-shirt from them. Steady Randy, thanks for coming today, brother. Yes, sir. Luke the Bear. Yes. Catch you next week. Peace out. Austin, Stone Cold. Cold Stone. Uh, Cold Stone. Cold Stone, Stone, Steve Austin. Cold Stone, Austin. Uh, Hey, go check out Austin and uh, Marcus Postbit. The review of No Man's Sky. It's up on Apologia Studios. No Man's Sky. Nothing, and guess who just came nothing in? Nothing to do on it. Joy the girl. She doesn't have a microphone, but she is here. Say hi, Joy. She looked really tiny right now. Hello. Joy is busy at work right now. She has a calendar and has colors on it. She has colors and a schedule, and she's putting together all kinds of cool stuff. Marcus, King Ginger, Pittman. Love you, dude. Thank you. Huh? All right. Thank you to the staff at Apologia Studios. Gabe, thanks, brother. Thanks for helping out today, man. Appreciate all you do. Carmen, wherever you're at, man, thank you, brother. Thank you for all you do. And to all of our all-access partners, we love you guys and we're grateful. Thank you so much. Get ready for that Austin Peterson discussion, guys. Pretty cool stuff. Pray for him. Pray that he knows Jesus. Pray for dinner, us with him. Maybe we should, where should we take him? Should we take him to Meat Fest? If we take him, should it be the Blue Hound or Blue Meat Hound. Fest? Blue Hound. I think the Blue Hound, too. Blue Hound, It'd be sure. too hard to have a meaningful conversation at Meat Fest. Because they're constantly coming up to you and bothering you. You're, you can't... Not that I... Not that I... But you can't think clearly. It might, it might have to be something completely different depending on if we film it or not. If that happens. Plus, there's swords there. Swords. Yeah. Yeah. People can get angry in these discussions. You never know. You never, never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Catch you next week. ApologyRadio.com. This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at ApologiaChurch.com. I want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tempe. Hey there. We are a family integrated church. So we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at ApologiaChurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. <laughs> Glory!